Happy Friday. Welcome into NSN Daily. Chris Murray and uh, we've got Anthony Resnick running the show behind the scenes. I'm Brian Samudio. A busy day as usual. Uh, Eric Edelstein, the president of Reno 1868 FC and the Reno Aces, will join us on the show to kind of explain a little bit more about how they're not going to be able to have 750 fans, what they were hoping to have uh, at Greater Nevada Field on Saturday night. They're only going to be able to have 250 and you know, if you're one of those fans, you've probably already been informed that you're one of those fans. They, they did a bit of a, a lottery system for that, but uh, he'll explain a little bit there. Sounds like some miscommunication and maybe just some, unfortunately, some politics involved here, Chris. But uh, your Dodgers uh, move on to the National League Championship Series. Uh, I, you could say that for like, you know, the last half dozen years. Um, the Astros eliminate the A's. And the Astros continue to look dangerous. Tom Brady absolutely explodes on his team last night in Thursday Night Football. We'll get into that. And our money play of the week uh, is, is just bizarre. Uh, a player at the French Open literally kicked her boyfriend out of his seat because he was, quote, distracting her. So uh, we'll get into that. But uh, Chris starting his diligent work of breaking down position by position when it comes to uh, Nevada football. And we start off with, yeah, it's arguably, I mean, it's the most important position on the field that's quarterback. Yeah, Carson Strong. I mean, he had a pretty strong uh, freshman season, I would say. Obviously had some injury issues. He was dealing with a collarbone uh, injury for much of the year, and I don't think a lot of people knew that, and that's kind of why Nevada toggled back and forth with some of its starting quarterbacks. But he really closed the season in good fashion. So ever, after, uh, you know, kind of an up-and-down start to the season, his last five uh, games of the season completed 66% of his passes for an average of 272 yards per game with eight touchdowns against only one interception. So he kind of showed why Nevada has been so high on him. And he did that as a redshirt freshman. So still has three more years to grow into that position. And I think he has all conference potential as soon as this year. The quarterback position uh, across the Mountain West is not all of that strong. Uh, it's not all of that experience. Uh, he's actually one of the more experienced, uh, you know, signal callers in the Mountain West. So, um, you know, I think this is a strong position for Nevada. I think there are questions behind him. Uh, you have two junior college players who just joined Nevada in January and July as his backup, basically. So he's going to have to stay healthy. But if he does, uh, I think he will have a strong season given his weapons, his arm strength, his intelligence, his work ethic. Everything is there uh, for him to step in and have, uh, you know, what you would consider an all-conference caliber season uh, as soon as his sophomore year. I think what we saw in the last five games of the year or so was the Carson Strong that we saw in the Nevada Grit show. We saw that confidence. We saw that swagger. We saw him healthy. You know, and and I really think that this this young man has a chance to to blossom and really become one of those names that you'll see in the record books over the next few years. But the, when it comes to depth, this is what terrifies me, Chris. Football, college football, all it takes is one missed assignment by a running back, by a tackle, by a guard. Somebody misses somebody. Suddenly, your quarterback is tackled sideways, and and there's a collarbone break or or he gets hit low and there's a knee injury. One to 10, scale of one to 10, how concerned are you about the depth if Carson Strong goes down? Yeah, I mean, that would be high. That would probably be like an eight or nine if you have to put in somebody like Jake Barlidge, who's from Riverside Community College, who just joined Nevada literally a couple of months ago. Or if you have to go to Nate Cox, who joined uh, Nevada from uh, junior college out there in Kansas in January. Those are the two backups. I mean, you have uh, Hamish McClure, who's a walk-on who played a little bit last year, uh, also on the roster. But you just don't have a guy who can, you know, not necessarily that you're not confident in his skill set. They just haven't been here very long. So how much yeah. can they execute the offense 
when they've only had the play, uh, playbook for a couple of weeks. So um, that is definitely an issue. But if he does stay healthy, uh, I think Nevada is going to be in a very advantageous position when it goes against most teams at the quarterback position. I do a position by position preview of every Nevada football game. I see a lot of check marks uh, quarterback wise going to the Wolfpack. One of the things I liked about Carson Strong last year is he showed great poise. Uh, so they're down big against Purdue, a Big Ten team, and they could easily just fold it up. It's his first time starting at Nevada but he leads the Wolfpack out of a three-score disadvantage to win that game. Uh, they were down big to UNLV, uh, but he you know, made a ton of big plays in the second half to push that game into overtime. Uh, they were down big in the bowl game against Ohio, and he made a bunch of plays through for more than 400 yards in his first bowl game. So he showed a lot of perseverance and resiliency in adverse situations when the team was down. Now, you don't want to get down, but he led Nevada to a win over San Diego State on the road, a ranked team. So he showed a lot in that freshman season that makes you really uh, bullish on his future. Um, but yeah, if he goes down, uh, you know, Nevada's offense is going to change a lot just based on the uh, lack of experience behind him. So him staying healthy, obviously the most important player on the Wolfpack this season in my eyes. Here's a part of the conversation that we'll have with Carson Strong on Wolfpack All Access this weekend. You mentioned the wide receivers. Tell me about uh, this year's Jungle Boys. We've got the Cookie Monster who's, you know, always looking, looking to get some grabs and, and is coming back for his senior year. I mean, what's this group like? And tell me about some of the, the personalities. We got a lot of really talented guys out there and they're everything that you think they are, everything that they're advertised to be. Elijah and Romeo, I mean, no one, no one can guard them in this conference and you'll see it on Saturdays because that there's nothing you can do. If you want to play bump on them, they're going to beat you over the top and they're going to, a lot of teams are going to be scared and give a lot of cushion out there just for easy completions. Um, and then we got guys in the slot. We got Cole Turner, who's a 6'6 tight end, who's working in the slot and at tight end. Um, he's a great playmaker for us. And we got another guy, Melquan Stovall. He's a super crazy athletic guy. Um, get the ball in his hands as much as you can, and he's going to make a lot of big plays. Um, and we got some freshmen, Jamal Bill and Isaac Jernigan, who also can take the top off the defense. They're still learning, and they're still – you know, trying to get a hold of everything, college, you know, school, social life with Karan. So they're still going through a lot of things, but, you know, we just want to get the most out of them every day at practice and just continue to let them grow. And then we also got guys, Justin Lockhart and Charles Ross, who also are stepping into a bigger role this year, um, especially since, like I said, we don't know what could happen this year with the virus and injuries and so on. So everyone's got to be ready to make plays. How exciting is that for you as a quarterback, knowing, I mean, you just rattled off eight different guys that can go and make plays. I mean, that's got to give you so much extra confidence knowing that there are so many different ways that you can go out and attack defenses. Yeah, I think last year, a lot of times I, I struggled with trying to pick a receiver before the play and like, okay, I think I'm going to throw it to him and I would just throw it to him no matter what, live or die with it. Um, but this year, you know, it's with all the talent spread across the board, it's just my job to hit the open guy. It's as simple as that. Just drop back, find whoever the open guy is, and throw it to that one. So, and let them make plays with it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the the quarterback room. I know there's uh, a couple of new guys that have, that have joined the folds. Um, uh, McClure is back with you. I mean, tell me about that room and, and what that's been like so far. Yeah, Nate Cox, he's done a great job coming in from JUCO. Um, He's our current number two, and he, he gets a lot of reps at practice, and we split reps, and he does a great job. He's a really athletic 6'10 guy. He's 
really athletic for being 6'10". You'd be surprised. Um, he's really good. And we got another JUCO guy. His name is Jake. And he's done a great job as well, along with Hamish and our freshman, uh, Jonah. You know, Chris, even more so of his leadership on the field, on the sideline and off the field, has Nevada found their guy? I mean, you look at, you look at teams that, that go out and have great success. There are leaders on the field that you have, they have to have them off the field. And if it can be your quarterback and he can be verbal, like we've seen Carson be, that's priceless. Yeah, I think he really does rally other people. He loves football, and I think that uh, passion for the game is is definitely infectious. I think it's it's difficult leading right now, though, because you're not having team meetings. You're not having even your quarterback position meetings. You're doing that virtually. So how do you pull along the rest of the team when you're outside of the building and you're just taking these virtual touches? I think that makes it a lot more difficult for these leaders to hold other people accountable because, you know, when you're in a regular season, you can see somebody, uh, whether they're spending extra time in the football facility and, and watching, you know, game film leading up to games. You can't do that in, the, in this situation. So his leadership is certainly going to be important, but it's really incumbent on a lot of these guys to do their own work away from the field just because of the situation that we're in this year. Uh, unfortunately, Nevada took a, uh, took a, uh, a blow on, uh, on Friday morning. Um, this, we hate to see this happen. Uh, defensive tackle uh, senior Chris Green arrested by the Reno Police Department's early Friday morning. Yeah, at 1.19 a.m., he was charged with two felony charges, including customer engaging in soliciting uh, a child for prostitution, which is obviously an exceptionally serious charge. So he was booked earlier Friday morning. Uh, the other charge was on uh, child abuse slash uh, negligence. So, um, you know, I did get a statement from the Wolfpack when I reached out and told them of the arrest. They said our department learned of this incident earlier this morning, and we we're working to gather more information. That's from Nevada spokesperson Chad Hartley. So, uh, you know, I have to check the Washoe County booking uh, sheet every single morning. It's basically the first thing I do. And uh, I did see Chris Green's name on there with two very serious charges. So no decision has been made on his future with the team. But if these charges are, are found to be true, um, there's no way that Chris Green can stay on this team. These are exceptionally serious charges and, uh, you know, give him his due process for sure. But, um, you know, it does not look good at this stage for him. If you were Nevada's football program, how do you rally your troops? How do you get past something like this? Yeah, I mean, you just tell them that you guys are role models in this community. Uh, every decision that you make is going to be scrutinized, good or bad. Um, you know, it's one thing if you have unpaid parking tickets, which is a charge that I see and have to write about a lot. Uh, you know, you see DUIs fairly regularly as well. And that's not, that's a very serious thing in my eyes as well. Um, but these are felony charges. Um, like you don't want people who are getting felony charges that are proven true representing your university and your program. Um, so, uh, you know, like I said, give Chris Green due process, uh, let this thing play out. But, um, you know, your message to your players is you can't be making mistakes um, that, that lead to these kinds of headlines. This is horrible for your community, for your university, for your program, uh, for your teammates, for your coaching staff. Um, so yeah, it's very, very bad news for the Wolfpack and we'll see how they handle it moving forward. Yeah, we'll see how this team can uh, maybe uh rally up and, uh, and, and move through uh, a very, very unfortunate situation. It's a bad situation. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, Reno 1868 FC will be at home on Saturday night against Galaxy 2 out of LA. Eric Edelstein, the president of the franchise, will join us next. Going to be a great weekend at Greater Nevada Field downtown. LA Galaxy 2 coming to town to take on the Azules, Reno 1868 FC president of Reno 1868 and the Reno Aces. 
Eric Edelstein joining us right now. Uh, Eric, I, I have to joke, but before we get into uh, all this, and we have now word on fans and all that sort of stuff, and I know it's not what you want, what all of us want, but there we'll get, get into that in a second. Your office reminds me of the sports office at NSN because over your show, over your right shoulder, I see a bunch of the hangers, and it's okay. This morning I have to play sportscaster, and then this afternoon I have to go to a photo. I've got this. I've got this. But you, you have to drag tarps sometimes. You have to prep for anything. Cor correct. Whether I, yeah, this this is this is the dressiest it gets at the moment. But there are sport coats back there. Um, we've got winter coats, rain jackets. Um, I've got uh, my tarp shoes underneath my desk, an entire tarp clothing outfit. So uh, I said, we're, I'm ready for four seasons or hard labor at any given notice here. You guys prepping for your first uh, playoff game here. If I had told you back in April or May that you guys would be playing a home playoff game, that there would have been a season, I guess, what uh, would have been your reaction? You know, it, it depended on the day in May. There were some days in May where I would have said, absolutely, we're going to make this happen. And there were other days in May where I thought no shot um, and probably got more pessimistic through June and even into July that if we could really pull this off. Um, so super proud that, um, you know, by, by all means, super proud of how the team has played, but really just proud that um, we've gotten through this. We've gotten through it safely, healthy um, for all involved. Eric, you did receive word on Thursday about uh, the fan situation. What can you tell our viewers about uh, how many people are going to be letting the building on Saturday? Yeah, so you know, very disappointing. Um, the, 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 the governor made a, an announcement last week, you know, allowing for an opportunity to have up to 10% of fixed seat capacity, which would have been 700. Um, we submitted um, to the health district, Washington County Health District, who is the, the governing uh, authority here. Uh, we submitted a plan that has been worked on for upwards of six months, um, was tweaked with those final details. Um, we've not been given a, uh, a formal response or any detailed response other than to say that uh, it would not be approved. And so um, super disappointed. Um, obviously, the, the, the governor's announcement raised the hopes and expectations. Um, I believe we rose to the occasion. And, uh, and ultimately, um, you know, a singular authority has, um, has put a stop to it without having, uh, without having dialogue directly um, with us. And so uh, that's, uh, that's very disappointing. But with that said, um, the governor's directive did expand gatherings to from 50 to 250. And so uh, we will, we will utilize that opportunity um, to, to draw a lottery system of our season members um, to get 250, hopefully of the loudest, most raucous home field advantage building fans that we possibly can for Saturday. Your lottery should just be getting them on Zoom and seeing who can make the most noise. Whoever makes the most noise gets in the building. If you don't have the energy enthusiasm, you got to stay home. But uh, uh, you guys could be hosting, you know, up to like four playoff games. You guys are the top seed. So maybe some hope down the road that there could be a larger capacity uh, if you guys continue to win in this postseason. 100%. I mean, like everything since the pandemic, right, it's day by day, week by week. So um, we don't take this to be a, a, a final or fatal decision. Um, we take it to be the decision for this Saturday, um, and we're going to continue to uh, to work to overcome the obstacles, you know, for next week, uh, you know, when we win this week. Eric Edelstein, president of Reno 1868 and the Reno Aces, joining us here on NSN Daily. Uh, Eric, you know, there are moments in sports in this community that just kind of burn into your brain. The Boise State win at Mackey Stadium, uh, breaking ground at Greater Nevada Field. 
uh, being on the balcony with you guys at Whitney Peak when you, you held up the sign, we are Reno 1868 FC. If I told you then that you would be the top seed in the United Soccer League and having this type of success at this moment, then what would you have thought? I just, bottom line, wouldn't have believed it. Um, you know, at the, at the time, we were the 26th um, team to join the United Soccer League. There are 35 teams um, across the country. We remain the smallest market, smallest community that hosts um, USL Championship Soccer. Um, you know, cities like Tampa Bay, Phoenix, San Diego, Sacramento um, are all playing in this league um, to, you know, you play the schedule that's put in front of you and you hope for the best. And, uh, um, you know, the added oddity of our affiliate not really being able to support with additional players, um, all credit really goes to, to Ian Russell and the coaching staff um, for putting a roster together that was ready to compete. And uh, it's, been, it's been a joy to watch. And I'm just, I'm super proud of, of the effort everyone's put in. I feel very fortunate. What's it like the night uh, before a playoff game for you? I mean, obviously, maybe not as much success in the postseason as the regular season, but you get a new crack this time around. Uh, it's weird when it's a single game elimination kind of tournament. What will you be feeling like, you know, as you go to sleep tonight? Um, that's the hard part is getting to sleep. It's, uh, it's just uh, soccer, any, any playoff game, any game of meaning, um, you know, it, quite frankly, it's nauseating and all you want to do is get to the game um, and just see what the outcome is. So um, the, the last couple days and the night before are, uh, are always difficult. I'm, I'm extremely unsettled. Um, there's nothing more to do. There's no work to be done. It's, uh, it's just you're, you got to wait till the match is the next day. Um, so I will, uh, I will try to entertain myself with some mindless activity um, to hopefully calm my nerves. But that's, that's the best I can look for the night before. Eric, you and I have talked about this before on an opening day. This almost will feel like an opening day. I mean, I know it's not the 700 fans you're hoping for, but as a front office executive, when you open the doors, what is that anticipation like? You're just hoping there's people there waiting to come in. I mean, I, I, you and I have talked about it before, and, there are times you look out, out your window and there are people in line around the block and you're just so excited about it. To have fans, even if it's only 250, must be pretty special for you. What's that going to feel like? Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, we are, we are in the live entertainment business. Um, I, I love sports, and, uh, but I, I think we can all admit watching them on TV with no fans is not the same. And, uh, and, and even me being here at our matches, you know, with no fans, but, you know, getting to wear the lanyard and go, okay, I get to be here. Um, it's still exciting and I care deeply about the result, but it's just not the same. And so no matter what the number is, just having people here and having them root and cheer and bang drums and make noise. Um, I mean, that's, you know, if I've missed anything over this last six months, it's solidified that, it's the event, man. That that's what that's what gets me going. That's what gets us going. That's what we exist for, is putting on a show for our fans. And so, even if it's two fifty, I, I, it's going to feel completely different, um, and it's going to give us just a sign of life, um, you know, back at the ballpark. Obviously, our focus the last couple of months has been on the soccer team, but there are a lot of baseball fans in this community as well who really miss Reno Aces baseball. I know I can't ask you what it's going to look like in March, but I guess where's your level of optimism or what have been discussions as you guys try and play for the 2021 season? You know, there, there's, a lot, there's a lot of moving parts that, you know, stem from Major League Baseball down. Um, 
you know, Major League Baseball's put out a schedule already that certainly assumes that they're going to start um, on time as normal. Um, again, just like everything in this pandemic, depending on who the last person you spoke to, um, you might be optimistic or not optimistic about that. Um, I think we're, we're very confident that we're going to have the makings of a season, most of a season um, next year. Um, but exactly what that looks like, um, if it starts on time, I think is still, uh, it, it's still up in the air. And, you know, we're, we're running, you know, 16 parallel scenarios to be ready for whatever, whatever it may be. Eric Edelstein joining us here on NSN Daily. Eric, before we let you go, we had Ryan Radke on our show uh, a few weeks ago talking about his new experiences with the NFL. But all I could really notice was what was behind him. And I see Chris looking behind you at that shelf mm -hmm. up there that's got the bobbleheads. Do you have a prized bobblehead? Radke had one that so supposedly talked, but he couldn't get it to talk. <laughs> um, God, which one is my You can favorite? go grab it. You can go grab it. You know, Oh, it's kind of hiding. It's off in the corner. So it's uh, it's the oh, yeah. Wolfie, um, the uh, the infamous uh, Wolfie going off the dugout uh, <laughs> moment from the very first Wolfpack Aces exhibition game, uh, forever commemorated by a bobble a bobble Wolfie. That's that's definitely my favorite. Uh, certainly in my time here in Reno. Yeah, nobody saw that on YouTube. Not at all. <laughs> no, no, Chris, we need to find who that who was in that mascot uniform because I don't know how that person didn't get hurt. That's a it's a healthy 12, 15 foot drop. That was uh that was not a, a, a light misstep. A much younger person than us. <laughs> For sure. I get hurt just going down regular steps these days. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine falling off the dugout. Yeah, they keep me away from steps and all kinds of stuff like that. Reno 1868 FC at home against the LA Galaxy 2 uh, matchup. It's going to be on Saturday night. If, if you're not picked by the lottery, only 250 tickets uh, available, but I know that they're going to be loud. We will be airing this game right here on Nevada Sportsnet live for you. Alex Margulies on the play-by-play -play call. Eric, we appreciate the time, man. Stay strong. I know your staff has been working their butts off. We see a few of them walking by with masks in the background and it's not easy right now to uh, to do anything live, but you guys are doing it. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. We'll, we'll be back soon together. All right. We'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Uh, the Dodgers have moved on. Chris, uh, I, I, th I think I know you well enough, Chris, to say that you are confident, but mm, cautiously confident. Uh, this is... Your team's been here a lot of times, man. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of the 2007 season. They just ripped through the beginning stages of those playoffs. They uh, swept Arizona 3-0 to zero in the NLDS. They beat the Cubs 4-1 to one in the NLCS. And I was convinced they were going to go and, and blast the Astros in the World Series and ended up losing that series 4-3. to three. So they kind of eked into the World Series in 2018. Um, I'm much more confident about this team than I was of the last couple of Dodger teams. Uh, I think Mookie Best is just so huge. And you look at the arms that they have and the remaining of the playoffs, like every team in the playoffs, it feels like has maybe one or two starters. Mm -hmm. And then they're just trying to piece everything together after that. With no days off in these playoffs, you're playing up to seven straight days. I think Nevada having five, or the, Wolf, uh, the Dodgers, uh, having five legitimate starting pitchers, um, you know, really gives them an advantage. But it is playoff baseball, so anything can happen. So, yes, guarded optimism, I guess, at this stage. 
what, how's your how's your confidence against a Braves team that I mean the Braves look really good on the mound and at the plate. And they do have some starting pitching. They probably go three deep in quality starting pitchers. So, um, you know, we faced the Braves before a couple of years ago in the NLDS and didn't have much trouble. Uh, you know, I'm confident. I think it's Dodgers in six probably. But uh, it is a very talented team for sure. I think the Padres uh, lineup is probably a little bit better and the Dodgers were able to neutralize that. And maybe kind of like a side effect that, you know, this NLCS in the World Series is going to be played in the uh, stadium uh, Globe Life Field that the Dodgers just played in. So maybe they get a little bit more comfortable there. Um, it was to me, it was really cool to see, you know, they're not doing like the champagne celebrations after the game that's being yeah. rolled out. Um, but all of the um, teams are allowed to have their families there. So they're kind of uh, in the crowd down the sidelines. And, and after the game, you saw Clayton Kershaw playing with his kids. You saw Jake McGee, a Reed High graduate uh, with his wife and, and daughter. So that was kind of fun just to see them, you know, hanging out with their their family and kind of celebrating in that way, just running around on the field than to the traditional celebrations. So hopefully more celebrations in the Dodgers future. But uh, yeah, I've been here before, as you mentioned. I, I haven't, uh, I'm not ready to, to pop my champagne bottle for the Dodgers. Maybe tonight for the Lakers, but not for the Dodgers. Yeah, you remind me, I misspoke yesterday. I got so upset at Dave Roberts for not using Jake McGee. I misspoke and said he went to Spanish Springs. He went to Reed, Brian, you know that. Uh, over on the other side, the American League got Rays and Yankees are going to a game five that'll be played today. Uh, but the A's, you know, the A's fall to the Astros. And the thing is, is that I think underlying, and they're not going to say it, the Astros are just laughing. They're just smiling because they're they're winning. They're in the ALCS. They're one series went away from uh, getting to the World Series again. Yeah, they want to prove 2017 wasn't an aberration, that they didn't win because they were uh, obviously stealing signs illegally and, and cheating. Um, you know, they're still a super talented team. And the amount of home runs they hit in that series against the A's is remarkable. So the power is certainly there. They're peaking at the right time. They do not have a lot of starting pitching depth. Uh, Zach Greinke gave them an okay start uh, against the A's, but uh, unfortunate for the A's. The A's are, you know, they've been a playoff team despite their really meager uh, salary for most of the last 15 years, and they just can't get to that World Series. They can't take that next step. Um, and, you know, this this was another situation where they just didn't play their best baseball during the postseason. So, uh, you know, I, I'm going to have whoever wins this Yankees-Rays series tonight getting to the World Series. I think they're better than the Astros, but the Astros are certainly playing very, very well. Well, I mean, it, we, it's, we've seen it in, uh, in regional baseball. It's not always the best team that's gone on to win the World Series. The Giants, all three years, were certainly not the best team in baseball. It was just a team that was playing the best at a certain time. It's not like there's just five guys on the floor in basketball and you can go out and do that. You know, baseball is so quirky with the way the ball bounces and the way things can go and overthrow and something changes a series, one swing of the bat. You know, uh, watching Michael Brantley, I mean, the way he hits the ball, I mean, it's just amazing. I just love watching him play. But uh, now the thing with me with Oakland moving forward, that was the last thing I wanted to touch on. With the, the Raiders moving on from the Coliseum, how bad do the A's now need their own home? I mean, they're going to have their own home. Yeah, technically, if you're an A's fan, you may say that. They need a new place. They need a place that's half the size and that is brand new, don't they? Yeah, no, I think that would be huge. I mean, obviously, it's, it's hard to uh, generate the kind of revenue that you need when you have a ballpark that's that old. And it's just not very fan friendly. I've been there several times to watch games and uh, the fans are great. But yeah, it's not a ballpark you want to go out to. If they had a brand new ballpark, uh, I think they really could boost up, um, you know, their their revenue up to, you know, middle of MLB. And I, 
to some degree that does hold them back. They've obviously been very creative as have the Rays in being able to win despite having these low, lower payrolls. But Marcus Simeon, for example, their star shortstop is up as a free agent this year. They're probably not going to be able to afford to keep him yeah. unless he wants to do like a one or two year, year deal and try and reset the market just because of COVID-19 and who knows what people are going to be getting paid. But um, that is their next step. And, and you really would hope um, that they were able to stay somewhere in Oakland. I feel really bad that Oakland's lost the Raiders. They've lost the Warriors who moved, uh, you know, over to the uh, Embarcadero area in San Francisco. Uh, there are such great fans in Oakland and they're losing all of their teams because they're not paying publicly for a stadium. And that makes 100% sense if you, uh, you know, know anything about the economics of uh, new ballparks and, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to pay them with uh, private uh, or public tax money. So, um, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Uh, I, I just hope they don't leave the area first and foremost. Yeah, these fans are so loyal. Everyone that I meet, that's all they're wearing is the green and gold, and they, they love their, their team, but they don't like their ballpark. I mean, I think, I think it's sentimental that they love the Coliseum, and they'll say that. But you've got three miles of foul territory on both sides. Get the fans closer. Uh, the, the faithful way up in the right, right field, you know, upper deck, pounding on the drums. They're a mile away. Get them closer to the field. And honestly, build them a ballpark that seats 27,000. You know, the, the days and age of the huge mega ballpark for baseball should be over. I mean, baseball is a sport that, unfortunately, is losing viewers and fans by the day, by the generation. It's being proven, you know, the, the attendance and everything. Make it more intimate ballparks. Make it more of a fan experience. And I'd love to see Oakland get that. I think the, the fan base and the, and the team deserves it. but. You know, the team has to kick a little bit back, too. You know, it can't be something that's just handy to them as well. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, money play of the week. It comes from the French Open, but it doesn't involve really a player. It's kind of weird. We'll have that next. It's Friday. That means our dollar loan center money play of the week. Uh, I could have given to Cody Bellinger for, for the uh, robbing uh, Tatis of that home run, but we are already did a big feature on that. This one just to me is – it's pretty funny. I mean, you go over to the French Open, and I don't know if you saw this, Chris, earlier this week. Danielle Collins is playing, and she's she hits three successful double faults, but still holds, and then yells into the stands to her boyfriend, who is also her trainer, and tells him, move, you're distracting me, get out of here. And it was very, very public, so she basically kicks her boyfriend out of the seat. Uh, it really didn't work. I mean, he went uh, the opposite side of the court. Collins would win the second, but failed to win a single game in the in the third set. Uh, for me, you know, I could I couldn't even have a, my father or family member as a coach, let alone you've got the boyfriend, you've got you know somebody who's a romantic person in your life, and they're your trainer, and they're in your sight line. I, yeah, I mean, I, I get frustrated at times too, but I think she went a little overboard. Yeah. Like he didn't seem to be doing anything; he was just sitting there, and I think. Yeah. He was, behind her when she was serving he wasn't even like on the other side so she shouldn't really be looking at him um like yeah you want to take off your your vengeance and your anger for three straight double faults on somebody but the guy was just sitting there and yeah. i don't think he was saying anything it's just funny because it was so uh, open because there aren't really fans there so you can just hear her basically bagging on the boyfriend to get out of here and he just walks away right down the tunnel. He had like a Tampa Bay Rays hat on. Yeah, he did. Um, so, yeah, he, uh, I feel badly for him. I'm sure he uh, got an apology maybe after the match. Maybe not. Maybe he got yelled out some more. But, uh, you know, she was clearly having a tough time. She had lost the first set. 
Uh, and then she just mentally lost it in that last set, as you mentioned, just losing 6-0 to, to lose the match. Um, very, very good tennis player. Uh, I think a two-time national champion. But, uh, yeah, she, she uh, you know, that, that was mean. I thought that was mean. She, she singled him out for her poor play. Like, you got to own up to your own bad play. You want to play an individual sport like tennis, if you start playing poorly, you got to point the finger at yourself, not your boyfriend. Yeah, I mean, he was sitting in the player's box. So that's where he's supposed to sit, you know. And, I mean, I, I get it. When I say sightline, it was only in her sightline when she turned around after screwing up and walking back to serve. He was sitting up behind her. You're right. I mean, so if I'm serving, he was back up here, you know. So uh, the, the gentleman's name is Tom Couch. So, uh, Tom, sorry, you are the money play of the week. And I hope that there was an apology after that. Uh, Chris, have you ever had a family member be a coach or anything like that? There's no way I could have had that growing up. Yeah, I mean, like my dad coached me in Little League and like I've coached my kids in Little League and AYSO soccer. Um, but yeah, sounds like Tom Couch was sleeping on the couch after that match for sure. <laughs> sounds like he was in the doghouse. It's funny, I do recall, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna call them out and let's say who they were. If you were on the team, you probably know, but there was a father-daughter combo, a uh, daughter who played softball at the University of Nevada and uh, her dad was very vocal. He would, he would stand up we, where we shoot from behind home plate. We're up on, up at the Hickson softball complex and we're shooting down and she was an incredibly talented player. And dad would, would talk and you would hear dad say stuff to her in the middle of at bats. And she looked up at him and said, dad, shut up in the middle of an at bat. And the whole place roared. They just thought it was funny. And I don't remember what she did with the at bat, but uh, I just thought, I thought it was funny because you, it, it reminded me of that moment where, Someone just kind of bubbles over and says, you know, I'm done with this. I think that situation is different than the one I just said. But, uh, yeah, take it easy on the boyfriend. He's just there to support. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. If his Rays lose tonight, then, man, that might put, put him over the top. I don't know. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, exploring our backyard. Our team has been diligent this summer, putting together outdoor pieces from our area and some of the most incredible places. Uh, Half-hour special airing this weekend. We'll tell you how you can watch it next. You know, our team's been so busy uh, over the past few months, uh, despite not having a ton of sports, uh, with road trip and exploring our backyard, getting to do a bunch of stuff. Uh, exploring our backyard continues where, you know, one of our team members or multiple members go uh, some of the great little hot spots that are uh, right here in northern Nevada, Lake Tahoe area, that sort of thing. And uh, this weekend, Alex Margulies and the team have compiled a bunch to be in a half-hour-long show. And we're going to start airing those uh, tomorrow here on Nevada Sportsnet. Uh, 9.30 tomorrow night if you want to see it, 7.30 tomorrow on uh, Fox 11, a couple of airings on Sunday, 10.30 p.m. on uh, Nevada Sportsnet, and uh, 5 p.m. on Fox 11. But uh, yeah, you'll be able to see them in, in your local listings. Chris, you and I haven't been able to do that. We've been kind of, I don't want to say tied to, but our responsibility has been this show, the website, and, and, and other things. Uh, is there something that you've wanted to do in exploring our backyard Chris Murray version that you're like, you know what? I want to go do that. Yeah. Like a very simplistic thing is I've never ridden a horse, which is interesting because like grew up in Gardnerville on a couple acres across the street from us, there was a horse named Whisper um, who my kids even, you know, I grew up looking at Whisper and my kids when they go down to my parents' house, uh, you know, go and feed Whisper. So uh, never actually been on a horse. So it'd be cool to, you know, take a horse ride like throughout like Washoe Valley or something like that. Um, that would probably be like number one on my list. And also never been in a hot air balloon. So okay. that would be cool to do as well. We did, uh, we were going to do that, my wife and I in Napa, I think three years ago. So we were there for three nights. We we're supposed to do it the first night. 
Uh, it was too windy to go up. So then we got up the next morning at like 6 a.m., too windy to go up again. Got up the next morning at 6 a.m., too windy to go again. So never actually got to get up there in a hot air balloon. So horse ride, hot air balloon would probably be top two on my list. Yeah, I mean, we, I know we planned those two. Uh, I think the horseback riding one fell through. There was a ranch we were going to go to, and that kind of fell through because of weather, I believe. And it was at the end of the season. So maybe we can, we can kick that back up. And I know there's, there are hot air balloon enthusiasts here in northern Nevada, you occasionally see them getting out. And if we can do it, talk about a way of social distancing is, uh, you know, get up there and, you know, as long as whoever the pilot is and you're both wearing masks and away from each other, as far away from each other as you can be in the basket, you know, I mean, that's it. Okay, we have to try and get Chris on a horse and a hot, how about a horse inside a hot air balloon? <laughs> I Chris. would take that. Well, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. probably would have fit because uh, so we had to like show up at the Marriott in Napa. I believe that's the Marriott where the Raiders stay during training camp. Uh, and then you'd show up really early and then they would basically take you up. And every time we showed up, they're like not nah, too windy after we were there for an hour. But it was like yeah. a huge basket because there were a number of people in there. So if you could hook up a horse and a hot air balloon at the same time, like that would probably be the best EOB that's ever been. What a picture at Lake Tahoe. I know uh, Alex did a. Uh, did one at Lake Tahoe and you launch from actually out on the lake in a huge basket. So uh, yeah, exploring our backyard, uh, check your listings and you're going to be able to see that uh, the half hour long special starting tomorrow on Nevada Sportsnet and our sister stations, Fox 11 and News 4. Coming up in our final segment, plenty to talk about. Special guests coming up from that 2010 team on Wolfpack All Access. There's more COVID positive tests that have come through in the National Football League and major college football and the loss of a Yankee legend. If you're a Yankee fan or not, you respect this name, and uh, 2020 is taking another person from us. Love that. Next. I want to thank Eric Edelstein, the president of Reno 1868 FC and the Reno Aces, for coming on the show, being transparent about how they are going to have fans in the stands uh, this weekend, only 250 of them, for Reno 1868's uh, playoff match against LA Galaxy 2, but you can watch that right here on Nevada Sports, and that's still probably the best idea to do it, unless you're one of those 250. Uh, Chris, all kinds of news still just filtering through. COVID, unfortunately, takes, uh, takes the, the cake on this. Uh, the Jets sent home after positive tests within that franchise. Yeah, so what are we up to like five or six teams now that have it? So, uh, you know, this was kind of inevitable. It would have been very expensive. And I don't think the Players Association would have agreed to bubbling up without their families for like four or five months of a regular season. So, um, you know, the best thing you can do is just quarantine and, and hope that it doesn't spread. If it starts to spread, then you're going to be in big, big trouble. But this is why they expanded the practice squad rosters, because they did anticipate situations like this. I think really only the Titans has gotten out of control so far. And we saw that with baseball as well, right? The Marlins and the Cardinals had major, major issues, but were able to get back on track. So uh, if they can limit it to one or two teams, you know, that that's really, really good. But, um, you know, the hope would have been that they would have gotten further into the season than three weeks before this all started. Power five football, same thing. Baylor Bears pausing all football-related activities following the recent positive COVID-19 uh, tests uh, as of Monday, 10, Monday, 10 active cases reported within Baylor athletics. Now, that's not just football. They're not saying that where these tests are coming from, but you have to err on the side of caution here, right, Chris? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you want to play as many games as you can, but you want to do it safely. And I think that's been probably the best thing is we really haven't seen any athletes, um, you know, get seriously, seriously impacted by this. 
uh, and certainly no deaths uh, among you know professional teams in Division One colleges. So um, you know if you if you take the proper precautions, I think you can at least make sure that uh, you know kids aren't getting too too sick. But um, yeah, when you get the double digit cases, you shouldn't be playing games, and that that will be Nevada and the rest of the Mountain West's big challenge as they start their football season in a couple of weeks. Is can they do? Uh, the right things. And, you know, Nevada has not released their specific number for athletics, but they have kind of trumpeted that they're among the best in the nation and having the fewest positive cases. So uh, they're very um, happy uh, and I think, uh, you know, convinced that their protocols are going to work. But uh, you never know. It could be one or two guys who go out to a party and then all heck break loose from there. So, um, you know, it, it's a major responsibility for these student athletes to make sure that they're doing the right thing so they don't put the season of everybody in jeopardy. Uh, you know, the Yankees are often labeled the evil empire. Maybe that's kind of worn off a little bit since they've, uh, they've, they're in this non-World Series winning streak right now. But uh, uh, the chairman of the board, Whitey Ford, 91 years old, uh, has died. Um, you know, talk about the guy. He made his debut in 1950. Franchise went on to become the franchise leader with 236 wins. He won the Cy Young Award in 61. Six world titles uh, in his 16 years with the Yankees Hall of Famer, uh, 91 years old in that life. That's a pretty good life. Yeah, he had his number 16 retired in 1974. He's got a plaque in that monument park out there at Yankee Stadium. Uh, I mean, he was an amazing pitcher. I actually went back and looked when Tom Seaver passed away uh, to just get a little bit more insight into how good he was. And the name that always was right up there in the top 10 pitchers ever was also Whitey Ford. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, a six-time world champion, a 10-time all-star, uh, among the best pitchers to ever live. And, you know, did live a long, long life at 91 years old. So, uh, you know, one of the great Yankees ever, and it's not easy to to make uh, you know that list when there have been so many great players who have come through there. But if you're making a Mount Rushmore of Yankees, like he, he has to be a serious consideration to be on that Mount Rushmore. If, uh, if you're looking for a good baseball movie to watch, uh, and it has Whitey Ford, his image in it, it's, it's an actor portrays him, movie 61, uh, which was uh, directed by Billy Crystal. Uh, it uh, portrays the uh, that summer where uh, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris were chasing down the uh, Babe Ruth record. It's done really well. I really enjoyed it. Only about 30 seconds left in the show, Chris. Dante Boak will be on Wolfpack All Access this weekend. It was great to catch up with him. Yeah, I mean, maybe the best defensive player to ever come through the university. I mean, outside of Charles Mann and Brock Marion, those guys back in the uh, pre-Division One days. But, uh, yeah, fun to catch up with him. And, uh, you know, he's in Arizona, uh, and he's got a, a great gym working for him right now. If you want to catch that, that'll be after a Sunday night football on News 4 and at 10 p.m. right here on Nevada Sportsnet. Thanks for being with us. You can catch 1868, their playoff game tonight here on Nevada Sportsnet as well. Alex Margulies will be on the call of that one. For Chris Murray and Anthony Resnick behind the scenes, I'm Brian Samudio. Thanks for being with us this week. Have a great weekend.